0: hi everyone I'm Matt Clark research analyst for money and markets with your latest bull and the bear podcast you might have noticed we kind of took a bit of a break uh, last week we didn't have a podcast last week I, I had an unfortunate death in the family so had to travel back to Kansas and and, and return back uh, over the weekend so uh, I certainly appreciate everyone who's coming back and and, uh, and and picking us up where we where we left off so uh, without further ado I'll we'll kind of jump in I'll, I'll get into the spiel of how you can listen to us and all that good stuff in a little bit but um, I, I you know I was thinking about this and I had a lot of time because we actually drove from South Florida to Kansas which if you are wondering is actually 24 hours almost exactly uh, straight on uh, one way and it gives you a lot of time to kind of ponder and you know I, I I was kind of thinking about you know the recent bout of market volatility not in March not not when the stock market just completely flushed but even more recently just last week when we saw uh, you know the Dow, the S and P, the Nasdaq, the Russell, all drop two, three, four, five percent in the period of a couple of days. And and you know over that course of time, I, I got to thinking, uh, you know, what are investors doing right now? And when, when that happens, and I think we all know exactly what happens. We can't really kid ourselves. When the market is volatile, you know, we investors have a tendency to kind of sit on the edge of our seats, and and, and we're waiting for that 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 next shoe to fall. Not the last shoe to fall, but the next shoe to fall, uh, and, and you know, and we have our fingers ready on our computer screen, and we're ready to, to to hit that sell button to basically kill out our entire portfolio because we just can't stand the thought of seeing more red, more losses in that portfolio. It's a natural thing. There, there's nothing wrong with it, uh, you know, in, in the sense of that it's 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 completely common. There's not anything out of the ordinary about it, and I think we've all been there. I've been there, uh, you know. Money Markets contributor, Charles Sizemore, who will bring in a second. He's been there. Um, and, and it's a tough thing to get past. But you have to understand, it's not the answer. Market volatility is, is going to happen all the time. Never do things go straight up in a consistent direction for a long period of time. And never do things go down in a consistent pattern uh, for a consistent basis of time. It, things fluctuate. They go up, they go down. It's kind of like a roller coaster ride, only... Uh, maybe not nearly as frightening depending on how much money you have invested. And and you have to understand that when you are on the edge of your seat and, and, and you've got your finger on the trigger and you're ready to push to sell all of your positions because you just can't stand the thought of seeing any more red ink, it's called emotional investing. Because what you're doing is you're making decisions based on your emotion. You're not basing it on fact. You're not basing it on data. You're not basing it on technical analysis or fundamental analysis. You're basing it on your brain. You're basing it on what your emotions are telling you you should do because it is a very emotional time, especially if you are uh, investing a good amount of money in the market. Um, And conversely, when things are going very, very well, uh, you have a tendency to want to pour more money into the market because you see how well it's going. You're not basing your decisions based on data. You're not basing it on technicals. You're not basing it on fundamentals. You're basing it on emotion. And, and the one thing that we can't stress enough, and I know there's a lot of people that say this and, 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 and it's, a, it's a common thing, but we still do it. And that is emotional investing is not the answer. It's not the answer when stocks are down. It certainly is not the answer when stocks are up. So what I want to do is I want to bring in Charles, money market contributor, Charles Sizemore. And I want to talk about um, you know, emotional investing and, and, and how you should try to avoid it. It's a hard thing. It's a human nature thing it's more psychology than anything else. And and you can't un- unwire psychology uh, in, in, in a podcast. But I think we can certainly give you the right tips that will help you make those decisions with less emotion and, and with more fundamental and technical analysis so that you're making the right decision and you don't do something that you regret later on. So I want to bring in Money Markets contributor Charles Sizemore. Charles, first off, welcome. Uh, welcome back. I uh, hope you had uh, a good breather of <laughs> no bull and bear podcast for, for a week, but I'm glad to have you back and uh, uh,
1: good to see you. Well, good to be back. Uh, I did enjoy my time off, just a week long celebration. Uh, I was just in the office working, really nothing that exciting. I understand. Uh, you know, like I said from the onset here, you know,
0: em- emotional investing is a very common trait uh every every investor whether you are a rookie investor that's kind of dabbling in the market maybe using your Robinhood account or something like that all the way up to guys who manage millions upon millions of dollars uh, of of holdings for for individuals they all have a tendency in some form or fashion to have emotion creep in when markets are volatile uh, some can curb it a lot better than others and some just they hit the button. They either buy it all or sell it all, and that's how it is. And it's, and it's
1: funny. The joke I always have is, you know, we all imagine ourselves to be Spock from Star Trek. You know, just cold, rational, logical. exactly logic. That's th- it. Th- that's what that's what we see ourselves as. We right. imagine ourselves as Spock, but we're really a lot more like Doctor McCoy. As soon as things get bad, we just go to pieces. We just, you know, we're, full we're panic, panic mode. Full blown panic mode.
0: And, and, and I think investors did that even as soon as about two or three weeks ago when, you know, the market started to really show signs of decline. Um, you know, the bottom line now is, is, is that we really don't know where this market is going to go. There are a lot of things in flux and there are a lot of outside headwinds or tailwinds um, that really have not decided where they're going to go yet. We, we're in the middle of a presidential election year. Some people might think that's a huge driver of the market. It, it's really not as much as you might think. Um, you know, we're still in the midst of a coronavirus pandemic in in, in parts of the world that that has, she shows no signs of really subsiding, uh, and, and so that weighs heavily. We, we've got there there's uh, economies uh, that are really struggling. Ours being one of them. Uh, you know, I, I think I think the Fed, uh, you know, GDP forecast for the third quarter been rolled back significantly. Uh, Analysts believe that GDP was going to go up by 30-some percent. Of course, it's easy to say that when GDP went down 20-some percent the quarter before. But now that's even been revised to where we're not going to see nearly as much growth. We still have unemployment that's running rampant. 900,000 Americans are are, are applying for unemployment. The jobs just aren't there. Businesses are not back to full capacity. and, And that's causing a lot of strain, a lot of weight on the market. And, and, and so there's all these headwinds, there's all these potential tailwinds or headwinds depending on how they play out, and, and, and they haven't played out yet. So we see a lot of fluctuation with the market and, 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 and about two weeks ago was when we saw the market really start to, to drop a little bit. I think that's, that's evident of that. We, we had a nice build up. of course, after March, there's really nowhere we could go but up in a sense. So it was kind of bound to happen, you'd see a pullback, uh, investors maybe taking profits, maybe you know, a little fear in the market, whatever. And a lot of investors really showed emotions at that point. They sold off. They tried to get out where they could, whether to take some small morsel of profit or to really limit the amount of losses they could potentially see. And they did that based on emotion because really there's very little technical or fundamental data that would suggest that getting out at that time was necessarily a good idea, depending on what you're invested in. So knowing all that, I guess I want to talk through, first off, how can we avoid and I say avoid in the sense that I know that it's not an overnight thing but how can we kind of look past emotion whenever we we, we're looking at investing whenever we have our 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 trade station or our 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 portfolio up and tracking that performance almost on an hourly basis as we just constantly hit refresh to see what's happening Um, you know how, how can we kind of back away from that and go back to the root fundamental and technical analysis and data to really drive our decisions when we invest
1: Well, I think the first step is you just have to accept that you're not Spock, okay? Like, we don't want to be Dr. McCoy, but realistically, we're not Spock. We are emotional beings, and we just have to remember that. We have to keep that. We we just, we have to adapt to that. Uh, It's not, you can't just tell someone, don't be emotional. How's that going to work out? Just don't be what you are. That'd be like saying, you know, don't be a redhead to me, you know? It, it, does, it doesn't work. You, you can't just not be who you are, right? So I guess step one is just to, what's the AA thing, the Alcoholics Anonymous? Step one is like admit you have a problem. Or <laughs> step one here is just admit you maybe, have a problem. It, maybe it, not it, the direction I would have gone,
0: but <laughs> I get the concept for sure. Well, yeah. you, have to, you, have the, to, you have to admit that emotions are creeping in. You have to be cognizant yes. of the fact that you are starting to feel emotional about your portfolio or about your trades or, or you know, about your investment. Sure. Um, you yeah. have to understand that that's happening. When you first understand that it's happening, then you can start doing things to maybe back away from that. Um, and so that, that's a great idea. That's a great thing is that, you know, you have to admit that there's something there. You can't just, you know, sit and shiver and shake and uh, <laughs> you know, cold sweat pouring down wondering, oh my, oh my gosh, how much of my retirement is going to be lost in the period of a day? Uh, you know, you, you, have to back, you have to back away from that. And it's a hard thing to do. Let's not kid ourselves. That is a very difficult thing to do. Um, and, and I, I think once you, once you admit that, once you see that emotions are playing a role, um, y- you have to understand what the next step is. And, and I think you, you've laid it out nicely in, in what you and I've talked about, um, before the show and, 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 you mentioned, you know, have a plan. And
1: yeah, I think well, that's, that's so, solid. Sure, sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, another thing to remember before we get into that is in a, apart from the fact that we all Hi, my name is Charles Sizemore, and I have an emotional investing problem. But besides the fact that we're all emotional animals, we're all collectively suffering from PTSD from from March. I I think if, if you ask why are investors particularly skittish right now every time the market has any sort of small pullback, we just remembered what happened in March. It wasn't that long ago. We're all still on edge from that. So that's just another wrinkle of, well, we're always emotional, but we're perhaps more emotional and more susceptible to our emotions right now precisely because we've recently gone through a traumatic uh, experience. Now, as for what do you do about it? You know, Once you admit, okay, I'm emotional, I get that. Um, the next step is how do you play off, how, how do you work around that? And the best way is to have rules going in. It doesn't matter if you're, I would say it, it's easiest if you're a market technician. Now, I'm, I'm more of a fundamentals guy. I'm not a strict technician like Adam. But if you have discipline and, and and technical analysis is your game, it's it's all about just making trading rules. You know, at, at what price do I enter a trade? At what price do I exit? When I hit that, when, when I hit uh, when I hit the exit price to the upside, I take profits. Uh, when I hit uh, you know any downside stop loss or or whatever my my pre specified rules were going in, I get out. You don't make exceptions. The death of every technical trader is simply not following their own rules. So before you play, if you're, if you're a technicals guy, if you're a trend follower, if, you are, if, if that is your investing game, do not enter a trade unless you already have specified in advance what are your conditions for getting out, and you have to stick with it. If you say, I'm getting out, if that stock price goes to $50, at $50, i am out. Well, it went to 49, but I don't really think the market's being rational right now. It's, it's just an overreaction. It'll bounce tomorrow. Well, the next day is at 48. Then it gaps over to 42. Next thing you know, it's at 25, and you're really you know, you can't you can't sell it because well now I've lost half my money, and then it just keeps going. You know, that's the death of every technical trader not respecting your levels, not respecting your rules. So you know, in, in that case, before you enter the trade. Have your rules on when you're getting out and write it down. If you keep a journal, write it in the journal. If you have an Excel spreadsheet, whatever. Just write it down. If it's a post-it note on your monitor, that's fine. Whatever you do, it doesn't have to be high tech, but write it down and stick to your rules. That's that's how you avoid measure losses. Now, sometimes you know the market gets sort of jittery and then it recovers and if you sold out well I sold the bottom and you know now it's taking off without me well that happens sometimes I mean you, you can't completely avoid that but you know it, it's better to take the risk that that happens than to ride a losing position all the way down now that's that's technical analysis what about fundamentals so uh, that, that's a little bit different and in this case it, it may sound like I'm being a bit more loosey-goosey but I'm really not It's the same thought process of if you're buying a stock because you think it's cheap or because you think it has great growth prospects or because of reasons X, Y, and Z, you still have to have uh, reasons for getting out. Do I get out because they bombed earnings? Do I get out because, um, I I don't know, whatever I expected to happen, I expected sales to come in at 100 gazillion and instead they came in at 98 gazillion. Do, do, Do you get out then? Whatever the rules are, but, but you, you have to have rules before you get in. It's, it's funny, Warren Buffett is um, sometimes a good example of this, sometimes he's a bad example of this, because he's so big, it's hard for him to just get, an out, get in and out. The beauty for you know, anybody our size is if we get into a trade, and it just doesn't go our way, we can get out. You know, we're not going to move the market for the most part, yeah, and, and not everybody in the world is watching us. If you're Warren Buffett you make a mistake, the whole world knows about it, right? Uh, if you or I make a, uh, a trading mistake, it's no problem. You, just, you, you, you have to leave your ego at the door, just say, hey, you know, the market got the better of me this time. I'm going to take my loss and um, move on to the next thing. A good example of that is uh, airlines. So airlines blew up in March uh, with the coronavirus uh, outbreak, of course. Warren Buffett looked at his portfolio, which was heavy in airlines, and he reached that conclusion that, you know what, something has fundamentally changed. My rationale for buying these stocks, you know, six months or a year ago, I, I don't recall exactly when it was, but he had been in the stocks for, let's just call it a year. Um, his rationale for being in the stocks had fundamentally changed. Like, it's, it was a different world. So rather than, you know, try to hold on and hope the stocks came back, Buffett, cut his losses and said, yeah, this one didn't work out. And so you know, whatever your uh, style is, it, it doesn't, doesn't actually matter. You just have to have rules going in and you have to stick to your rules.
0: And, and you know, cause I, I'm on the technical side of that. I'm, I'm very much like Adam uh, in terms of, of, of how I trade. I, I'm looking at, at, you know, trends, I'm looking at, at data and I'm trying to figure out what that data tells me. Now, and I, and I agree with you that, you know, it's, it's rules-based. You know, you got into it with a rule, you get out of it with a rule, why should that change? And, and, and that leads me to, to, to suggest that whenever you buy, whenever you get into investing or whenever you get into your first trade, you clearly have a rule of some sort, whether that's I'm buying it because of this or because of that or because of this or because of that. So I guess you have to ask yourself, why should those rules be any different because the overall market is, is fluctuating one way or another? And the answer is, is that it shouldn't. You know, I think Charles pointed out very well. If, if you have a stop loss, uh, you buy a, a stock at 65, you have a stop loss at 50. Once it hits 50, you sell it. That's your rule. You, 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 there's a risk. There's always a risk. And that leads me into the next thing I want to talk about. And that is handling that risk because I think risk – plays a big role when it comes to emotional investing and I, I, I and I want to get your take on that Charles what do you, what do you is that sure. you know, risk is a big thing the more risk you have the more emotional you can be prone to be or or the more you're invested in in terms of your overall portfolio compared to your income or, or whatever you know that brings about even more emotion whenever the market starts to fluctuate
1: So while I try not to live my life based on like fortune cookie aphorisms, um, there are a few good market maxims that have been around for a while that really make sense. And one is that you should always sell to the sleeping point. If you're having a hard time sleeping at night, if you have anxiety, it means you're taking too much risk. And that may mean that you just have too much of your portfolio in stocks as opposed to bonds, cash, real estate, Bitcoin, whatever, um, whatever it is, you, whatever whatever it is, your portfolio looks like. If uh, your stocks are keeping you up at night, you probably have too much in the market. Um, along the same lines maybe you have too much in a single stock within your stock portfolio. Maybe your stock portfolio is reasonable. Maybe it's, you know, 60% of your total or whatever it is. And that's a reasonable number for you. But that stock portfolio, you have half your investment, you have, you have half your portfolio in one stock or something crazy like that. Um, that's, that's also something that's going to cause you anxiety. So you have to figure out, what your rules are you know for me I, I don't put any more than three percent to five percent of my portfolio in any single stock like that's it that's a hard cap for me now if I start at five percent and then the stock really does well and now all of a sudden it's seven or ten percent of my portfolio well maybe I let it run a little bit sure but I always make sure that um, you know that that initial starting capital is reasonable because when it's not that's when I start to fight these emotions of oh boy it dropped what do I do now do I do I do I sell do I do I do I double down do I um, you know oh boy you know sweat pouring down I, I've done that you've done that we've all done that you just have to figure out what that number is for you and stick with it for me I sleep well at night with three to five percent size positions if you have a five percent position and that thing goes to zero uh, you've lost five percent of your portfolio big deal. I mean, you can, you can recover from that. No problem. If uh, you have, you know, Warren Buffett size positions, if you have, you know, 30% of your portfolio, I actually want to say he has about 40% of his portfolio in Apple right now. Don't quote me on that, but uh, he has some just gargantuan proportion of his portfolio in, in, in one stock. And good for him. I mean, it, it's generally worked out for him, but I'm not comfortable with that. Uh, that's the sort of thing that would cause me uh, anxiety, and then that anxiety would cause me to make bad decisions. So you have to game yourself here. You have to know, okay, at that level, I'm not going to be thinking straight. I'm going to be, you know, emotionally invested in this, and I'm going to start making poor decisions. Um, if you want to star, we've, we've done Star Trek. Do <laughs> you want to star Wars analogy, what, uh, what led Anakin to the dark side of the force? It was fear. And so, uh, you know, fear leads you to make bad decisions, so you have to organize your investments in a way that minimizes your fear.
0: And I've always had a general rule. And by the way, your new nickname is Yoda. Uh, and I want to make sure that it catches on. Um, but I, you know, I've always had a general rule, especially if you're a new investor or maybe kind of a hobbyist investor that this isn't that you're just kind of doing this on the side just for fun or, or, you know, maybe make a little extra money or whatever. Don't invest any more than you are willing to lose. If you are not willing to lose a dime, do not invest a dime. If you're willing to lose a thousand, then invest a thousand. You know why? Because there's nothing guaranteed. And from one day to the next, you could go from a thousand dollars to zero and it doesn't take very long at all. So if you are not willing to risk a certain amount, don't invest that amount. I mean, it's just it's just that simple. And I think that, that way you avoid those those over emotions when it comes to, oh my, oh my, I've got forty percent of my portfolio in one stock and that stock just dropped five percent. You know, you avoid those types of things because you already have said, you already have come to grips with the reality that you could possibly lose that money. And you're okay with that, whatever it is, whether it's $5, $100, $1,000, $10,000, whatever that amount is, that's that's up to you. But you've already come to grips with that reality that, okay, I'm going to lose it. It's fine. It makes the gains, it makes the gains that much sweeter and it makes the losses not hit nearly as hard because you already, you've already realized that you're probably going to lose it anyway. So why not? Um, and And that's, maybe a more of a, a blasé way of looking at it or, or, or something like that. But I, you know, I think it, it speaks to a little truth. That well, no, but
1: but there's, there, there's terms for this. Um, what, one of the behavioral uh, investing terms is um, the need for uh, loss avoidance. And uh, regret avoidance, actually, is what I was looking for. Uh, we will do anything we can do to avoid realizing a loss sometimes. Like this is an this in, in innate human uh, flaw, if you will. And so you have to embrace regret. It's an odd turn of phrase, but rather than avoid regret by avoiding selling a position that's going the wrong way on you, or avoid uh, taking action when you need to, just embrace it, do it early. And that, that's where it comes back to the rules. You know Just have those rules, take your loss, stew about it for a day if you want, go have a drink at the bar, whatever you got to do, but um, you know, have your rules and, and stick to them. And then get back in the game. You know, there's, there's sure. there, you know, if you, if you have a loss,
0: get back in, you know, or if you'd rather not, if you say, well, that's it, I've had enough. I lost, I'm done. That's it. Okay. That's well, what that I actually
1: do. brings up a good point. So like, let's say, let's say you're in a stock and let's say you hit your, your stock loss and, and you, you're, you're done. Like you're out of the stock. When do you get back in? Like, like what's the rule on that? And you know, I have not really found an ideal perfect rule for, okay, I, I bought Apple. My timing there, was bad. I don't,
0: I don't really think there is one. I don't.
1: I, I think it's a personal. But yes, yes, it is a personal preference. You have to create one for you. And, and for me, you know, my my rule of thumb is at least a month. Like if I get stopped out of something, if an investment went the wrong way, I'm not going to get back in the next day because I'm not thinking straight at that point and I'm I'm being emotional about it. I'm I'm getting tribal about my investing. This is my stock. You know, I, I'm part of this tribe here you know, death to the outsiders. I, you, you, that, that mentality sets in. You got to take some time off. You know, for me, it's a month. You know, at least stay out a month, revisit the stock in a month. If you still feel like investing in it, then you've had time to cool off. For some people, it might be six months. I mean, for some people, maybe six minutes. I mean, it just depends on your style of trading. It depends on on your your temperament. But, you know, just figure out what yours is and stick with it.
0: I think it goes back to rules. What was your rule for getting into it to begin with? You know, what, whether you, it was if you're a technical person was it because you notice a certain, uh, you know, uptrend, you, you notice that, uh, you know, you, you, you only invest on the golden cross and it dropped below it. You sold now it drops above it. So you treat it like anything else. I'll I'll tell you, this is kind of interesting. You know, I, I do the, the marijuana market update, um, every week here on money markets on our YouTube channel. And, and I, and when, when people found out I was doing it, I, I got a few questions and that was, well, you know, why, why would you do that? And, and the reason for their question was because of, of the whatever stigma comes along with marijuana, and I said, "Look, I don't look at it. I look at at it as a part of a, of a particular industry, but I don't look at it in terms of, a, of 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 being marijuana. I look at it as a company. What does the company do? What are its fundamentals, and what do its technicals tell me? Not not anything beyond that. So when I'm giving uh, you know recommendations or I'm talking about a particular company, I'm not you know hampered by." This, this morality of, of marijuana, I mean, I, I don't partake, don't plan on it, but it doesn't stop me from just treating it like I would anything else. I treat it like a company. And so I look at a company, I look at it like I do anything else. I look at its technicals, what does it tell me? Is it in an uptrend? What is its volatility? What is its size? What is its growth? I look at Adam's six factor green zone, uh, green zone ranking system. Uh, and then I look at the fundamentals. What are its, what are its financials? What, are, what, what do the financials look like? What are, What's its future growth plans? Um, what's its earnings per share? You know, I, I treat it like I do anything else. And, and I think that's what you have to do here. If you're backing out of position because you have a, a loss, you treat it like you, you, you put it back into the pot and you treat it like you would any other stock. If you are maybe just a tech investor, you're just investing in tech, great. You've, you've gotten out of XYZ Incorporated because you hit your stop loss limit. Well, now when do I revisit it? Well, you revisit it whenever your rules tell you it's time to revisit it. If the you fundamentals know. say, okay, well they've they've uh, they 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 hit a a ten percent surprise on their earnings per share, so now it's time for me to get in. Okay, great. Then now it's time for you to get in. It doesn't matter what it is.
1: You know, so you long as to, you can remain detached, though. So long as you can personally remain emotionally detached. Exactly. That's, that's and, fine. And,
0: and and I do that because that's just me. That's just my mental makeup as I, I can do that I can step away from it and I and I don't get attached it's it's because it, it is what it is and I think that's
1: what more and more investors well, start they do. just they just throw themselves at you but you don't, you do. don't get attached yeah you know, no.
0: well you know I mean <laughs> it, it, attached in so much as that I'm not willing I, I that I am willing to walk away or I'm willing to at least follow the rules that I have for getting in or getting out and, 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 and I stick to that. Just like you said, as, as a technical trader, it is about rules. And that is 100% accurate. It is about the rules you set forth. It is about the, the trade alert, the trade notification that you get when it, when it crosses that whatever threshold you set, whether it's, uh, you know, Bollinger Bands, whether it's, you know, whatever it happens to be, when that threshold is, met, is hit, and it hit and it triggers a trade, then okay. And that's, and that's when you get back in. V- vice versa, when it triggers a sell, you're done. You're out. If it's a stop loss, if you're using a technical you know, indicator or a group of technical indicators, whatever that happens to be, when it tells you it's time to go, that's it. It doesn't matter what the rest of the market's doing. It doesn't matter what the Dow, if the Dow's up or down, it doesn't matter if the S&P's up or down or the NASDAQ or the Russell, the Russell it makes no difference. You have to treat this as anything else. You've got rules for doing what you do in life. You should have rules for doing what you do in investing and and i think that that you know i think you said it best when you when you brought that up and i think that's dead on i think it it, you've got to be about the rules you set forth and it doesn't matter what the rules are they're your rules they can even be
1: somewhat arbitrary part of of this is just having the discipline to follow the rules they can be
0: silly rules it doesn't matter but as long as you're following them then you are you are scaling back the possibility of emotional involvement and the more you can scale that back because let's be honest there's None of us are automatons and none of us are going to be able to completely devoid ourselves of emotion when we invest. There's just no way. So, but if you can limit that emotional attachment, if you can limit that emotion from creeping in whenever you're investing, then you're probably doing yourself and your portfolio a huge favor. And it's easier said than done. Believe me, it is. It's, it takes discipline. It takes time. It takes training. And and you have to just get yourself in that mindset of this is what it is. And this is how I'm going to do it. It's not a game. But there are rules, just like with any game. You follow those rules, just like life. There are rules. If you follow the rules, you're usually okay. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some, of course. But we all do. They're not all winners. Warren Buffett doesn't have a 100% win streak. He doesn't. No, he does not.
1: <laughs> He's had some colossal losses.
0: Absolutely. And, yeah. and and there are guys that manage billions of dollars of portfolios that have experienced massive losses. They've ma- have experienced massive gains as well. It happens. It's the it's, – it's, it's the chance you take by rolling the dice in the market, whether it's, whether it's commodities, whether it's stocks, whether it's bonds, whether it, whatever it is, there's always going to be risk. The, the house always wins, I guess would be a better way of putting it in terms of Vegas. Um, but that doesn't say you can't get your own slice of the pie. So um, you know, Charles, I, I appreciate you coming on. I, I think we've covered a lot of ground here in terms of emotional investing. The bottom line here, have a plan, have rules, and stick with them. At least yes, stick sir. with them as best as you possibly can, even in times when more with market volatility. And, and don't hesitate, if you go to moneymarkets.com, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna shill for a little bit. Uh, if you go to moneymarkets.com, what we try to do is we try to do the same thing. We try to help you take the emotion out of, of your investments. We try to give you sound advice based on fact, based on data, based on fundamentals, based on technicals, based on whatever those are. Whether you're reading a, a piece by Charles or by me or by Chief Investment Strategist Adam O'Dell, we are basing our recommendations based on uh, you know a, a, a rule. We're not giving to people, well, you know, I think this looks good. Well, no, there can't be an I think this looks good. It's I think this looks good and here's why. And if you don't get the why, then you don't invest in it. And if we don't get the why, we don't tell you about it. So, you know, you know go, to, go to people like Adam O'Dell. I mean, he's a, he's a genius when it comes to looking at these things, and he, he does a great job. Charles does as well. I've learned more from them in the last couple months than I could possibly ever learn from anyone else. And, and, and I'm kind of following in those steps And that, you know, you have to understand why you're investing in something. You have to have a reason. And if you have a reason, great. And that's what we do at Money and Markets is we give you a reason. And it's not hype. It's not headlines. It's not... Uh, Bluster—it's because Charles sees something fundamentally that says this stock is 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 worth your time to invest. Adam and I look at the technicals and we say, okay, based on our technical analysis, this stock is something you need to look at, and here's why. And we tell you—we're we're upfront about it. <laughs> it's not—we're not hiding something. We're not—we don't have a big secret behind us, and we're just you know waiting to waiting to unload on you. So uh, you know, so so check out Money and Markets. We we do the homework for you uh and and we're not gonna steer you wrong we're not we're not here to do that that's not that's not what we that's not our intent so um by the way, just to kind of get to, to you know, wrap things up full circle, you can listen to the Bull and the Bear podcast on your favorite podcast uh, syndicator, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. We are now on Amazon. So you can, uh, if, you are, uh, if you have a connected device to Amazon, you can just say, you know, I'd say the name, but my, my device would likely go off and start talking to me. But you, you say it and you say, like, to listen to the Bull and the Bear podcast, and boom, there you go. You'll be able to listen to the Bull and the Bear podcast. Uh, and you can do that that way. Also, we put these videos up on YouTube, uh, go to our YouTube channel, go to youtube.com. Uh, type in uh, Money and Markets and we'll have the green logo. You'll be able to find us, click uh, to subscribe. You can click the subscribe button at the bottom down here if you're watching on YouTube. Also, don't forget to hit that uh, bell, that notification bell, because what that'll do is that will notify you every time we put out a new video, whether it's the bull and the bear, our, money, our marijuana market update, or a week ahead, you will get notification as soon as that video goes live. And, and you want that because we usually put our videos out about a day before they go on moneyandmarkets.com So if you're looking to make uh, any potential moves based on what we talk about, uh, you'll kind of be an insider and get that information first, but only if you subscribe and hit the notification bell uh, to to do so. And if you do have any comments, questions, or maybe there's a particular stock or sector or something like that you'd like us to cover, make sure you email us. You can email us directly at the Bull and the Bear at moneymarkets.com. That's the Bull and the Bear all together and the Bear uh, at moneyandmarkets.com. Or you can hit us up at feedback at moneymarkets.com. If you're on our YouTube channel, you can comment down below. And uh, we'd love to see your feedback. So for Charles Sizemore, uh, I am uh, Money & Markets uh, market research analyst, Matt Clark. Uh, until next time, next time we will have Adam O'Dell join us and we'll talk about uh, the sector and uh, some stocks within that sector and give you uh, our take on whether these are buys or, or ones you should just, uh, frankly, stay away from. We're going to get that for you coming up uh, this weekend. Plus don't uh, hesitate, the marijuana, the marijuana market update is coming out here in the next day or so. And uh, our week ahead will be out on Sunday. So we'll tell you what to look forward to on Wall Street coming out next week. So again, for Charles Sizemore, I am Money Markets Research Analyst, Matt Clark. And until next time, everyone, safe trading. You've been listening to The Bull and the Bear, a Money and Markets podcast. Tune in each week to hear insights on how to make investing safe and profitable for you.